0: Hello and welcome to Musici Chats. My name is Beth McLynch. I'm the founder and artistic director of Musici Island. During the COVID lockdown of 2020, I decided to start a podcast to chat to different artists from throughout the sector about their jobs and what the future of live performance might look like. The first 12 episodes can also be viewed as videos on our YouTube page and you can find out more about all our projects on our website www.musici.ie. We have some amazing guests coming up, so if you enjoy the podcast, please do subscribe. And also, maybe you have friends that you think might be interested in this, please do help us by sharing and writing reviews on your favourite podcast providers. My guest today is the American conductor, Timothy Myers. I've played um, under Tim maybe three times, I think, at this point, in the Wexford Festival Opera Orchestra here in Ireland. I've always enjoyed his calmness and and how clear and concise his direction is. It's always a pleasure to work with him. So I'm interested to hear about his life under lockdown and how different US states are reacting. And I also want to find out what support for the arts there is in America. Here's a little clip of Tim conducting the end of Wagner's Siegfried Act 3 with the North Carolina Opera.
1: Hi Beth, I'm hanging in there, how are you?
0: Good, thanks, yeah. So where are you at the moment?
1: I am at home in Raleigh, North Carolina.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Did you actually have a lockdown there? Did you have a shutdown? Because I know America, different states did different things, didn't they?
1: We did, and it, 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 for me it happened, I, in I guess the second week of March, I had just started what was to be the busiest time of my year. Um, So a lot of engagements back to back. And so I was actually conducting in Pittsburgh and we rehearsed all week and then they sent us home on that Friday. And um, so I've been at home since then. We did have a shelter in place order or a stay at home order from our governor. And, um, you know, the, the kind of shutdown where like many, we could go out to do essential things like go to the grocery store, things like that. Yeah. And we took it very seriously. We have two small children, and um, so we really were quite careful. Things are starting to open up more now. Our Last week, our governor went into phase one of their reopening plan, and so things are a little looser, but the smart people are still being very cautious.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's It's, it's been interesting seeing how America's handling it um, compared to like in Ireland. It's been quite... You know we've we've really shut down a lot you know and, and we're still not supposed to go more than five kilometers from home and you know um or see anyone so we're just starting to come out of the end of that but um yeah it seems i suppose it's such a big country it's difficult to shut the whole it's thing down it's a big down, country
1: and most of these states are larger than or many of the states are larger than you know other countries and so yeah. i think when you have that sort of land sprawl that's just innate to the geography of of the United States, and then that all of these have individual governments, it's a much more complex situation. And of course, we've heard all of the bickering back and forth about what the states should be doing, what the federal government should be doing. That's that's an that's uh, a tension that tends to be innate in American politics, and is of course magnified in times like this
0: (laughs) so uh, how does it sort of how does it affect you like the the leadership that you have at the moment is um how should we say it uh kind of hard to follow um the thread of things i mean how does that actually feel living there with that hanging over you
1: it feels frustrating uh and it, it feels very frustrating because i i think all of the time we want good leadership right? People, people desire to know that they're well taken care of by leaders who have their best interests in mind. And so it's, it's frustrating to feel like some, we don't know what's going on or what's going to happen next or how to do something. I mean, even in regards to testing, testing is still incredibly difficult to achieve here, to come by. And, um, so, and of course, then that starts to impact everything else that comes down the road. Uh, you know, when it comes to the arts, for example, how do we regain consumer confidence to re-engage the audience until we have widespread testing and at least some sort of pharmaceutical intervention. And so it it, it is frustrating to feel, and this is something where I think America's been unfortunately heading for a while now, is just incredibly polarized. Uh, place politically and socially and and it's not just in the last few years I mean this has really been happening I I, I think over the last let's say 15 and so you you know here we find ourselves in a place where we really need to be bonded together and my biggest frustration is that we're not even having real conversations about it Mm. and and I mostly social media for this and that people think that social media is news and that's not true it's not journalism and but yet people are forming their opinions from things they read on social media Mm -hmm. and the whole point of social media is to silo people into kind of an echo chamber where they're mostly interacting with people who agree with them yeah yeah. And, and and so my frustration and some of the things I've been trying to do in this time is to how can we create meaningful conversation among people and it sounds like such a simple thing like oh sure why wouldn't you just do that but our, our society where it stands now is not wired to do that it stymies that feeling
0: yeah. and it is, it, I think it's exhausting as well isn't it this um, the way yeah. that works it's it's yeah, you can't get clear pictures of anything I mean, in, no. in, term, in terms of uh, response to an arts crisis in America, I presume you're sort of the same as we are in Europe, but you know, it, it's really hit the art sector so, so hard. Has there been any kind of response from the government about funding and support?
1: Very minimal. Uh, so for example, arts organizations, I, I see this from both sides because I'm an individual artist as a conductor but I'm also the artistic advisor to Austin Opera. So I get to see kind of both angles of this. And for example, in Austin, we were applied, we applied for and were granted what they're calling the pay, Paycheck Protection Program. So that's money from the government bailout to to pay employees and keep things going during the time of crisis. Um, you know, there are other grants and things, but. I, one of my frustrations is that for all of the billions and billions of dollars of economic activity that the arts in America provide, the response in a bailout has been minuscule. Mm-hmm. And, and so if, you know, we're X amount of 4-5% of the GDP, but then, you know, when the government bailout comes, it's 0.015%. Wow. of the of the help that we get. And, you know, for example, I mean, the Kennedy Center got $25 million. The Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., which is the home of the National mm-hmm. Symphony and Washington National Opera, et cetera. Um, and they took a a lot of criticism from, uh, especially people in the Conservative Party, saying, well, wow, this is ludicrous. Why would the Kennedy Center get $25 million? And But the other side of that conversation is, the Kennedy Center is an institution in our capital that you know does over a thousand live events a year in, in all of their venues, employs several thousand people, and has over two million visitors a year. So you do understand there's there's two sides of that argument. Is that the Kennedy Center is, is an economic engine in yeah. in Washington D.C. and America. Uh, so and even a 25 million dollar cash infusion only gets them through july so again this is one of those things where are we really having the real conversation we're not and that is really frustrating and something that i'm determined to figure out how to change or at least make an impact on
0: yeah yeah It's, it's tough isn't it to to get your voice heard on that and i mean this is my own tiny way of trying to have these conversations with People, and, and as I was saying to someone earlier, you know, for me, this is trying to broaden my own knowledge of the sector I work in. You know, I, I, I know quite a bit about music, but it's such an enormous sector. You know, there's all, all the film crews, TV crews, makeup artists, stunt people. Everyone has lost their income, their work for the foreseeable future. And, you know, it's such an enormous industry. And I, I just wanted to find out more about how how that works. But, yeah. but going back to... Um, before all this lockdown started, um, what what sort of projects were you working on then?
1: So I was in Pittsburgh, where I was going, where I was rehearsing Carmen, and then straight away from there, I was conducting Turandot in Austin, and then kind of overlapping with Turandot performances, I was starting rehearsals for another production of Carmen at Opera Theater St. Louis, which is a major American festival, and so it's one of the it went from almost four months of me being home for just a few nights with my family coming out on the road with me sometimes to visit and then for longer periods of time and sort of this intricately detailed (laughs) travel schedule to coming home and 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 nothing
0: and this must be very strange for your family having you here (laughs) all the time
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's very strange i mean i haven't been home this long I don't remember, I mean, ever being yeah. for home for this home for this long.
0: Um, a conductor like yourself, I mean, y- you wouldn't just be travelling within your own country either would you normally? Um, you'd be all over the world. I mean, certainly we met in Wexford Opera Festival, um, which you've been three times, is it? I think. Uh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Three yeah. Times. So um yeah, I mean, how do you find that sort of for travelling? Are you missing that? Or is it nice to be stationary for a bit?
1: It's a mix. You know, last year uh, year, we worked together again in Ireland, but even during that period in Ireland, I was also in Berlin and I was also in London and uh, moving back and forth. And I came back to the States for five days. And so it's, you know, in 2019, I was away from home 211 days. And that's moderate. Uh, I mean, there have been years where it was more. And so I I do miss it, but what I miss most about it is not the travel, because as we all know, that's not nearly as glamorous as it might seem. Um, But I miss the creative outlet. I miss being in a rehearsal room. I miss miss being on the podium and working with musicians and uh, the process and that kind of outlet and just doing what we all love to do and doing it together. I miss most the community aspect of it.
0: And, and are, you still, are you still working on scores at home, or are you just taking a break? Um,
1: I am, but you know my my work has shifted a little bit. I I've, as through my position as artistic advisor with Austin Opera, that is of course kicked into high gear because there's you know when three months ago we had the next basically three years planned. Uh, and and really accomplished a lot of planning landmarks that we wanted to hit and and really had it moving in a direction with certain shape and momentum and all of the things that you're trying to build in an organization. And now, all of a sudden, it's remodeling the entire thing to see what are we going to even be able to do in the fall? Mm -hmm. You know, when we're supposed to open our season in October, what will we be able to do? What will the government allow us to do? Will the theater be open and allow us in? Will, even if all of that happens, uh, will the musicians union, let the orchestra come together? Will, uh, even if all of that happens, will anybody come? And so there are all of these insane things happening. And so it's really been a time of, evaluation but mostly innovation
0: you're talking about um all this forward planning and things and obviously that's what all arts organizations need to be doing but it's also what's absolutely impossible to do at the moment <laughs> so i mean in, right. in terms of your role at austin um, what are, what are plans are you putting in place to try and get things creatively moving
1: well what i can't say a lot of detail about it because we haven't publicly announced anything sure. but i can tell you what's exciting about it is it's really spurred innovation. And uh, there's a Harvard business school professor who designed came up with this whole concept and technology of disruptive innovation. And it's interesting in this time that the disruption has happened without us trying without us having anything to do with it. And so in my mind, this is the time when creative people and creative organizations need to have creative solutions. And so what we're looking at is how when you, also interestingly, when you're trying to change a model, you're always pushing against what already exists. And having to change the minds of people who say, well, I don't want to do that, I want to hear Puccini and Verdi and all of this in a proscenium theater with a traditional set and costume. Well, all of that's out the window right now because it's not even possible. It's not even legal for us to do it right now. So that provides an opportunity to innovate and to discuss and say, okay, then what do we do? Well, right now, clearly we're working on an online platform. So one thing we have done in Austin is every Friday, we have a broadcast and that ranges from artists we know with whom we've worked who put something together and curate a program, Uh, us going back and using archival footage to say, all right, what are our top five memories from that season or the last couple of seasons? Um, I did one that was a little compilation of some of my favorite performance moments from the last 10 years of my career. Um, So that's a way that we're staying connected with our audience and, and making them feel like we're, we're with them, we're, you know, we're close, they're valuable to us, and, and continuing to have a presence. Then moving on from that, it's, uh, you know, we do have one project that was supposed to be a staged project that we've pivoted into a film. Oh. Uh, so that's, uh, again, something where we were able to look at the situation and say, okay, instead of just abandoning this project, what else can we do? And it turned out to be something that really lended itself well to, to the film medium and the creators also play in that field. And so it, it, we shifted the conversation uh, to be more about that kind of project. Uh, I think coming into next season, since there are so many unknowns about when people will be able to gather, will, when people will want together, all of these moving, pieces, Mm. is what we're examining is how can we provide things in a variety of formats? And that might even be the same thing. So if, for example, if we were to do a concert or a production, how can we then provide that in multiple formats for consumption? So that if at some juncture we are allowed to have people in the theater socially distanced or however that looks at that moment that people who feel comfortable can do that, that uh, people who don't, maybe there's an outdoor option, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then maybe there's a streaming platform option. So that at least for the time being, there are, the the consumer can choose the most comfortable way to consume the product. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it's, the, the, Conversations are fascinating and it's, and it's revealed a lot and I'm really proud of our team in Austin and I feel lucky to be working with all of them because We've made we've made a cover we've covered a lot of ground very very quickly and very meaningfully
0: Yeah, it sounds, sounds like there's a lot happening and and tell me yeah. is, I mean in terms of fe- your future sort of um plans work-wise do you think this might have made you think twice about traveling so much? Do you think now maybe you would stay stay more at home?
1: Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, because for me to work at a broad level, it requires extensive travel. Mm. So, you know, I have this position with Austin Opera, but that's in Texas and I'm in North Carolina. So that's a three-hour flight or a two-and-a-half-hour flight, right? Um, so for me to... if if my career remains focused in the way that it has been as an international performer, then that will be necessary. Part of me does say, boy, it would be nice to work more at home. Um, But for most artists who work in the vein that I do, that, that sort of extensive travel is just considered part of part of the job um because the bottom line is geographically if i remained in the same same place or or tried to limit that it would just entirely limit the scope of my work yeah and so that's that's one of the challenges about that Uh, i can tell you that i am looking for ways that i can enhance my leadership abilities off the podium it tends to seem like whenever there's a big, let's say, economic recession or international disaster or something like that, that our sector tends to shrink. I'm interested in learning about how, as a leader in the arts, I can not only counteract that, but learn how to use those times as times of investment and growth. Mm. And I think that's critical to the the health of the arts as we're in a increasingly consumerist society and I don't say that is a good thing mm-hmm. um, that you know how do we continue to illustrate that the arts are an essential part of our, our cultural fabric mm-hmm. and so I'm actually uh, this goes back to what what am I doing with my time I'm actually starting to do some coursework. Uh, so I'm in the fall. I'm starting a course at Harvard Business School uh, and that works in conjunction with my conducting engagements because it's mostly distance learning, and there are uh, some a few on-campus modules. Uh, but you know, it's a it's a program for leadership development, and where we talk about these things and you know, strategy and innovation, and these are the things that. I think are important for us to be talking about now and the one of the silver linings is well for example being home and being able to be with my family and my children is huge i was you know i was able to be home for my son's first birthday mm-hmm. which in my original schedule i would have conducted a performance of turandot that afternoon and got straight to the airport to fly somewhere else to rehearse something yeah and so there is that but The other big advantage is now we have time to discuss things and think about things and learn about things that when we're just bouncing around doing the main job, we're completely consumed. Yeah. And, and I think it is necessary for us as humans and artists like you're doing, you're in this series, taking time to explore and ask these questions and say, what's happening? What works about our model? What doesn't work about our model? What are the things that we can do better? How can we increase our profile in a meaningful way? And and these are things that I know I can say for myself, I've thought about a lot, but not as deeply as I can right now because I was always thinking about it for 15 minutes while walking to rehearsal, right? Or five minutes in the shower or this or that. And so these little tiny segments of time, whereas now, we have the opportunity to really say to take some time and say, let's have real conversations.
0: Well, Matt, no, Tim. I mean, thank you so much for giving me your time. Um, it's really interesting to talk to you, and I wish you all the best with these projects and your new new venture at Harvard as well. That's exciting, and hopefully, I will get to play with you at some point in the near, <laughs> near future. So, thank you.
1: I really hope so. I've I've always loved our collaboration. Uh, yeah, thanks for chatting. It's really.
0: Thank you for doing Thanks, Tim. Well, a huge thank you to Tim for such an interesting chat, and I genuinely hope he gets back to Ireland to conduct again soon. Thank you so much for listening, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe for free and tell your friends about us too. It would also be a massive help to us if you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast page. And I'll see you next week when I'll be talking to actress Zoe Green.